0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Humane Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. On September 20th, 2013, the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals hosted the third annual Living with Wildlife Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. Defender Radio Special Report. In this special report, you will hear the entire presentation from Sylvia Dolson, Executive Director of the highly successful Get Bear Smart Society, based out of Whistler, British Columbia. To find out more about the Get Bear Smart Society, or see videos, photos, and other speakers, visit FurBearDefenders.com. Hi. So I'm Sylvia Dolsa, and I'm the executive director of the Get Bear Smart Society. Um, we do work out of Whistler. But what we're doing out there is trying to create a model for smart community, and uh, we, we hope to help others across British Columbia, across North America, really, on how to create those communities. We kind of learn through our own mistakes and challenges and successes. So we are a registered Canadian charity, and um, basically we're just working to make sure that people and bears can safely and respectfully coexist. And what we're really trying to do, underlying all of our programs, is we're trying to create this paradigm shift, and everybody's talking about it, of replacing fear and misunderstanding with understanding and respect. That is really key. And of course, we're trying to minimize the number of bears killed as a result of human-caused problems. And so we do this by um, helping people prevent conflict at home, at work, out recreating in their country. Um, we work with policy makers and municipalities and so on to help create their smart communities. And we also encourage police and bear managers to choose non-lethal bear management options. And we have worked with the uh, rc division here in BC, as well as Mike Badry at the Administrative Environment, and we've actually created manuals um, to help teach officers how to deliver non-lethal bear management tactics. So we ha- have those downloadable on our website as well, in case any of you are kind of working in that field here. So what we do at Get Bear Smart, we have a bunch of educational programs. Really, it, it comes down to education, educating the people. And our programs up there are directed to residents and visitors. We have pamphlets and other materials like little booklets. We run ads, not so much anymore. I'm recycling my newsprint ads uh, on Facebook nowadays. So I'm getting more usage out of them. And we're doing a lot more video, and we have a... Get Bear Smart TV on YouTube. So people are really more into, give me the the quick and dirty. Just bullet point me. Let me know what i got to do. Give me five steps. And so we're going to that more simplified video message as well. Um, We used to have a neighborhood bear watch program. And then we do bear aversion training. Right now we're just mainly doing that in Whistler. But we have done that across... Uh, Canada, we were called out to do some training with the um, Manitoba Conservation. So we do that all around. And then we provide consultation information to other NGOs or Bear Aware, Bear Smart, Bear Wise, educators, uh, municipal governments, police, wildlife agencies. So we're there to help everybody. In Whistler, we do provide uh, on-site bear hazard property assessments. So we just go to the property and see what is it that might be attracting bears to your property and help people mitigate that situation. People often don't know that the gas can they have sitting beside the shed is a bear attractant. So, you know, we both, they, they phone and they say, I've got nothing in my yard. Seriously, there is nothing in there. And you go and there's always something. They just don't understand all the different things that attract theirs. Uh, business assessments, one of our directors works at the mining camps and oil camps, um, and he does assessments up there as well. We've been working with the um, OSDG, Oil Sands Development Corporation, and been doing some uh, bear safety training with them as well, and keeping clean sites. So, we work with all, anybody who's having problems. And we provide um, customized education materials. So we have a lot of stuff that we've developed, and we've, we've spent a lot of energy and a lot of money developing them. So if you need to create a brochure for your area, we can provide you with a design layout, uh, and then you can customize it, change Whistler out to whatever, I'm looking at Drake now. He's got all his own stuff already, of course. Um, but you can kind of customize the materials we have. Uh, we'll go out and provide bear safety training programs on location. We work a lot with people who are environmental consultants or tree planters or different groups where they're sending their people out into their country. So we're down here in Vancouver giving bear safety training programs to them before they go out into the field. And also it help assist and create and implement bear management plans. So once you've done an, an on-site assessment, then you can start to figure out what needs to be planned. It's all about the planning, right? Yeah, you got to have a plan. Otherwise, you're just out there not knowing what to do. And again, providing advice on tools and equipment, um, portable electric fencing. And I'm sure you're going to hook up my website to yours <laughs> and get some of that information linked in. So whenever we find more information, we link it up. So then that's at bearsmart.com. So we're going to talk a little bit bit more about what is bear smart. And I think one of the most important things is that it's a proactive rather than a reactive management strategy. And we're trying to address the root cause of the problem, which is almost always something the bear wants to eat, in whatever form that comes. And so a proactive strategy will decrease human-caused problems with bears reduce the number of bears killed as a result of conflict and uh, minimize property damage. It's amazing how much damage bears can do um, when they're trying to get into your house or a shed or beehives or whatever. Bears are so used to ripping apart logs to get at the larvae and so on that uh, they just look at wood and they start tearing it apart. we had a bear, or many bears really, going after hot tub covers. Until so we actually figured out that uh, vinyl and styrofoam, when it deteriorates, gives off formaldehyde. And that is the same sort of pheromone that's given off by ants when they're sort of warring. And so the bears rip apart the hot tub cover. They don't get anything. They spit the styrofoam out again, and it costs people a lot of money to replace them, and they were just looking for ants. So sometimes just knowing why, we can now suggest covers that don't have those materials in them. Okay? And obviously, we want to reduce safety risks for ourselves, our pets, and uh, farm animals, and so on. And of course, in any community that has a Bear Smart program, just like a planned a predator protection livestock program, you're going to reduce your costs over the long term. And maybe it's an initial setup but you're definitely going to reduce long-term costs of bear control in our circumstance here. These are just some scenes from Whistler. I don't know how well they're coming through. There's a lot of light in here. Can you guys see that? Okay. So what exactly is the problem then? Well, hundreds, if not thousands, of bears are killed each year. Hundreds in British Columbia, certainly thousands across North America. Those bears were killed in one day in the interior near in Caswell. And it's all as a result of mismanagement of food and garbage. And so, therefore, it is so preventable. It's just so... Yeah, I'm not going to say it's easy because changing people's behavior is... I don't know. It gives me a migraine. Um, but the answer is there. We know the answer. We just have to motivate people to do what they need to do. Conservation officers, as Mike will tell you, get thousands of complaints and calls, and um, there are very few reactive solutions available. You can kill the bear, you can move the bear, which has not been found to be too successful unless you have a a young adolescent male that's already being, you know, they get used to being pushed out of their mother's natal home range, and so they're okay with being moved. female, and especially the sour cubs, always comes home. If you move a male adult far enough away, maybe, it is just so not the solution. They're just moving the problem somewhere else, and there's just nowhere to move animals anymore. So we just need to be proactive and get at the root cause of the problem. Just standing right here washing dishes, and no fear, just walk right in towards Hang on a second. So we're actually creating problem bears. We are teaching bears um, how to be a so-called nuisance, as some people see them. So, And we do that through food conditioning. We teach bears that people are an available source of food, whether it's our garbage or such an in the backyard or a bird feeder or whatever. As soon as bears make that association, with people provide food, you got a problem. And it is really, really hard to unlearn a bear. They're really smart. And once they've got this idea, they've got it in their behavior repertoire and they can pull it out anytime they want. Right now we have lots of natural food in Whistler and, uh, in Squamish as well, I think, right, right? And in a lot of areas, um, berries are, are ripe all over the place, especially at elevation. And so well, they're not even in town. They don't want to be in town when they have natural food. They only come in when they feel they need to. I'm just going to play a little video clip here. Uh, this is a bear that got into, actually a sow with two cubs that got into a condo complex. And sitting right here washing dishes and no fear just walk right in towards them. I'm so, so he's just working. So RCMP actually used bear aversion to get the sow and her two yearling cubs at the time out of that condo. What a mess, though. So one of the problems is that bears are very good at outsmarting us. They're highly intelligent animals, and they have the intelligence of great apes. So just think about that for a moment, because we think we're not too far removed from either of our bears. I so wanted to play another little video clip here of how a bear got into somebody's garage. So you can see the teeth This is right. This birdseed. The garage door door at eight one three one. We keep our uh, Bird seed and our garbage inside here. We lock it every day. So I can, if you can see these uh, bite marks here, I'm glad that the bear came in here, opened the thing up. we got a power hinge here, so the door closed automatically. The bear uh, wandered around the guard, garage, ripped up the garbage, climbed on the window over there, uh, knocked all the stuff off the shelf, shit all over the place, uh, on the motorcycles, on the and all uh, the paints and everything, and then when tried to get out, and bit this again somehow. Turned the knob and uh, dragged out all the birdseed and garbage here and made a mess of everything. And that's all we know. Until it came back the next day and opened up the door again, and uh, there was no garbage at that time, but there was a box of birdseed, and they grabbed the birdseed and did it all over again. And that's the story. Bear tried to get out this window here, and as you can see, there's paw marks on the glass. So, pretty smart, eh? Hey? He got in the garage by biting on the door handle, turning it one way, pushing the door. Got stuck in there for a while, did his stuff, couldn't get out any other way, went back to the door handle, turned it the other way, pulled to get out. Okay, so there, you know. You might think, oh, my God, now they know how to operate doors. Um, Well, deadbolts, deadbolts do work. And leader-style door handles, they're so easy, it's ridiculous. So sometimes without education, people may provoke unintended circumstances, consequences. Um, Feeding on garbage can also be harmful to bears. We're talking about why we need to be bear smart. So we've, we've seen bears that have had um, styrofoam and plastic and stuff in their intestines and it gets all blocked up and, and, and they die. Uh, bears with lacerations in their organs, in their stomachs, um, all different things. So garbage is not good for bears either. It's harmful to them. Of course, we need to be bear smart because for agencies, this is a huge PR issue. If uh, you're out there killing bears, especially in the lower mainland or in the Sea to Sky Corridor, um, people don't necessarily like that too much. And so you get a lot of complaints, um, and it's really not the right thing to do. There are other options, and we need to be more proactive before it gets to that stage there's of course safety issues related to lethal means you know officers need to have a safe backdrop with dozens of people looking on rcmp officers with rifles moved in in a few seconds they are going to shoot and kill the bear if you don't want to watch or if you don't want your kids to see it now's the time to turn the tv off or change channels pretty awful. So, just imagine that they're running through town with children fleeing and people fleeing and the officer's needing to have a safe backdrop. You know, because safety is number one. In order to shoot that bear, he was a large body mass there and it was easy for that officer He had actually the appropriate tools. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they shoot five, six times and the animal's not dead yet. Um, so that's actually part of what we teach in the non-lethal bear and training is how to safely and humanely kill a bear. There's a huge cost to taxpayers of always using reactive measures because as we know, if we never get rid of the source of the problem, it just persists. Okay? And then, of course, there's always that capital... That liability issue. Um, although I'm not really aware of anything ever going to court. Things seem to get settled out of court. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. Liability issues with respect to um, agencies being responsible, getting sued for not doing, not killing a bear before something happened. I'm okay. um, not mm-hmm. So, why not just shoot him? I can see from the kind of watery eyes around here why we think that shouldn't happen. But if we're going to a municipality, going to police agency, trying to convince them why these animals shouldn't just be shot, they have value. They are sentient beings. They have families. They have things to do. They have, they have emotions and feelings. Things hurt. They also have economic value in terms of tourism dollars. They have cultural value to the First Nations people, and they should have cultural value to us as well. And of course they have that spiritual value. What would it be like if we lived here and there were no animals at all? That would be a pretty lonely place without coyotes and wolves and and bears, and all of those other animals. We can't just survive alone. And they have aesthetic value. They beautify the landscape. I mean, if you just look at a a picture of the mountains, but if you have a bear in a field in front of the mountains, oh, now that's a picture. That's something to paint. They also have a positive impact on the environment. Fertilizing the soil with their scat, for example, if they're feeding on salmon at the side of the stream and they then go deposit their scat beside an old-growth tree, provide nitrogen to the soil, and the whole circle continues. Seed dispersal. So they will plant their own berry bushes through the seeds. When they digest the seeds, they don't actually ruin them in any way. They absorb all the nutrients through the uh, exterior shell of the seed, and then that can be replanted with its own little compost heap, grow into a plant. And in some, in some cases, they are prey-controlled, perhaps in the interior uh, if they're going after um, gophers or something like that, small, little mammals. They're also a great indicator species, what we call an umbrella species or a flagship species. So if the habitat supports a healthy population of grizzly bears, then it's a good place for people to live as well. So we can tell what's starting to go wrong with the environment by seeing where bears can or cannot survive. They also hold um, many medical secrets. So if you think about a a bear being in a den all winter long, can you imagine laying in that little tight space for four to five months and what you'd feel like when you got out? So their physiology is so different from ours. And if we could figure out what helps them not have any bone density loss, not have any muscle atrophy during that period, we could help um, bedridden people in hospitals and so on. So there's a lot of things that other animals hold the secrets to that um, we haven't yet quite figured out. So why do human-mirror conflicts occur? Well, the obvious first one is that we've gone into Bear habitat. And so um, we're fragmenting the habitat. There's habitat loss for bears. This is actually that sow with the two cubs outside the condo now. <laughs> so she is right in the residential area there. What does the a black bear do when she's threatened when she has cubs? Up the tree, kids and they're safe. It's not the same as grizzly bears where they will defend their cubs to the death. 76% of grizzly attacks are, are female grizzly bears, not black bears, just intruding it in. So as you can see, bears are strolling through the streets of Whistler, sort of on a half regular basis. I was out walking my dog the other day and this guy stops and he goes, "What are my bear? I'm like, well, you know, it's really not a good time of year. Well, we've been here like 10 minutes. And we've heard that you can find a bear anywhere, anytime in this town. <laughs> so, not so much right now. So, there's a lot of social factors as well that maybe we don't consider. For example, we talked earlier about um, sows when they break their family up in the spring. They keep their cubs one full a year, and the next spring they break up the family And those cubs have to go somewhere, they're as big as a German shepherd, and they have to go find their own place to live. And where is it the least scary? In residential, because dominant males um, will push them around. And there's also infanticide in the bear world, where, where males will kill cubs to bring a female back into estrus. Um... You know, some bears just don't like each other and they push each other around. So you might have a less dominant female that ends up in residential. We had a sow with three cubs for the past two summers, basically living in residential areas. And for the most part, she didn't even go after attractants. It was just that she was in town, not a great place. She's now broken up her family, so we have four entities walking around. So those are things we don't even think about, is what's going on in the bear world. Natural crop failures, We can be certain that if there's a bad berry crop or the salmon run fails, if you have salmon in your area where bears are, bears will be in town. (laughs) This bear, for example, is right outside the restaurant in this You can see there's already snow on the ground. things, you know, bears have traditionally walked through your town for hundreds of years. They're still walking through the town, even though there's a town there now. So it might be just natural bear behavior that they happen to be in town. Um, Curiosity. Bears are very curious, which makes them so highly adaptable and quick to learn. And right now, we are going into what's called hyperphagia. So that's a scientific word for uh, an exaggerated eating mode where those are eating 20 hours a day, 20,000 calories a day to fatten up for hibernation. So they've got four to five months where they normally don't eat, drink, urinate, or defecate. There's another medical secret. How do you not urinate for five months and not die? They recycle their urea and they take the proteins out of it. Pretty interesting. just a, a few video clips of bears kind of in town. Exposure there, crossing Highway 99. Um, there's actually a bear right here on a roof in North Vancouver. So the other thing that brings bears into town, of course, is attractions. Bird seed, garbage, um, compost, the grease bucket on your barbecue anything that looks or smells like food. And there's lots of information on Bearsmore.com as to what those things are. So this bear made it up to somebody's roof. Looking to smell the barbecue there. In this next little video clip I'm going to show you, these guys actually had like a bunker <laughs> in which they had some baking uh, materials like, nuts and, um, lard and that kind of stuff. And, uh, can you see the hole in the bottom of that solid wooden door? And it's actually, uh, like a rock, a stone building. You like to... What are you Is not in there? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Hmm. I didn't know if I was in there or He got up in cash, you go. Oh, boy. You gotta go get Oh, the, my floor. Friend, the, floor. the floor. the floor. He's, He's totally. The, he the floor. He dropped he the here. cash. In. He he Yeah, so we are going to get sheet metal, but now it's so much in the door that he's not away. Well, even sheet metal he can tear back. Right. What we actually ended up doing, because electricity is a very effective deterrent for bears, is we, they happened to have an old barbecue weight, and we nailed it across the bottom of that hole, and we put a portable electric fence unit on it, he came back one night to check out to see what else was there. Never ever came back to that location again. So they fixed their door and uh, the bear never came back. They also took the cashews and other nuts and the stored them elsewhere. So, what a Bear Smart program accomplishes? Again, it gives us a proactive rather than a reactive management approach. Removing conflict bears doesn't necessarily address the root cause. If you uh, kill a bear and remove it from that habitat niche, another bear is going to fill the spot. So you're not really addressing the root cause, and you're just perpetuating the same old cycle. On the other hand, we use proactive measures, educating people, removing attractants, and both of those things put the onus back on the people. Don't forget, this is a human-caused problem. Okay, so we need the people to do their part. That's when you're going to have a successful program. I'll just let you watch this Mom tell you what there comes for a second. So there are basically six components to. Creating a Bear Smart Community. And this is a program that's delivered by uh, the BC Ministry of Environment, through Mike Badger's office. And there's lots of links on our website, or just Googling it. You can get there quite easily. So the first thing we do is create a bear hazard assessment. We actually go into the community and say, okay, well, what areas are a problem here? So the bear is constantly going into the trailer park because they don't have proper waste management or the bears constantly going to this farm on the outside of town where they don't have good husbandry practices. Whatever those are, usually a biologist or other professional goes in, writes up an assessment to figure out where the problems are. Once you know where the problems are, you can actually create a management plan to figure out what to do. And Part of that plan will be education and awareness, letting people know what attracts bears, and why they're coming around to their property, and then how to control the attractants. Also, we need to, in order to ensure that these programs last long term and they last beyond me and my little job, um, we need to have these things written into a municipal planning document. So we need to be an official community plan. There needs to be something about wildlife stewardship, garbage management, all those things, need to be written down so that they stay part of the program. And of course, no program would go anywhere without a good for waste management system. That's pretty much the number one attractant in any community. And unless you address that one, you're beating your head against the wall. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to handle that. This year we had two bear-proof compactor sites. People actually have to deliver their garbage to one of these two locations, and all of the garbage and all of the recycling and all of the scrap metal, everything, everything there is bear-proof. Um, and then in our multi-unit residential, we have uh, bear-proof sheds or bear-proof containers where people can drop off their stuff. Um, and so, and the program really needs to be. Their proof from the beginning to the end, so right to the landfill or to waste station. and then of course legal means is a component of any program. You can teach people all you want. There's always that 10 percent that will not do what you need them to do, and if you get 90 percent of the people doing it and 10 percent not, you still have a big problem because the bears will go to the neighbors. Uh, and if your place is proof, they'll go where it's easier. So we need some legislation. In we certainly have uh, a, a garbage and attractant bylaw. Many communities that don't have the same—they have curbside pickup, for example—they may have amended their bylaws so that people cannot put out their garbage until six a.m. in the morning pickup, which is helpful. Because as we saw, a lot of stuff goes on under the cover at night. Um, So that's definitely helpful. It's not a solution. It's just a stepping stone in the right direction. Um, Or perhaps having bear-proof totes so that whatever they wheel down to the curb is actually bear-proof in some way. So Squamish has that now. Thank you, (laughs) May. Well done. So those are the six components for creating a bear-smart community. And uh, there's tons of information on bearsmart.com. And as I said, we're heading into the social media now, so we've been Twittering. I haven't been doing it, but my colleague is at home Twittering throughout this event. Um, So on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, at bearsmart. And we have TV on YouTube, which is really fun to watch as well. This is Defender Radio.